Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Tandy Boxing Podcast with John Tandy and me, Tony Mega. In this episode we recap the action from Oberhausen, Germany where Felix Sturm defeated Fedor Chudinov to win the WBA World Super Middleweight title and become a five-time world champion in the process. We also discuss a packed weekend of action coming up with Ola Afalabi facing Marco Huck for a fourth time in Germany. Terence Crawford defends his WBO World Super Lightweight title against Henry Lundy. And of course, the Super Bantamweight World title fight we've all been waiting for. Carl Frampton and Scott Quigg set to decide who's the best in Britain. As ever, I'm joined by renowned boxing trainer John Tandy. Good morning, John. Not too much boxing last night, but quite a shock to um, wake up to this morning for most people if they didn't follow the boxing last night. Felix Sturm is a five-time world champion now by beating Fedor Chudinov last night. A little bit of a, a dodgy German decision, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so I think it was a decent fight. I thought Felix Sturm brought it to him and tried a lot harder than he did in the last fight and I thought it was, it was probably closer than the last fight um, I think I still had Chudinov winning 117-113 um, but I thought I, I didn't think it was a total robbery <laughs> No, I, w- I watched it as well and um, I think Felix Sturm started the first three rounds you, c- you could argue that a German, in Germany that the judges are going to give him those first three rounds because he was on the front foot, and he was active. Um, he seemed to take rounds four and five uh, off, and then kind of get back into it for the for the middle and the, and the later rounds. But I don't think I'd have given it to to Sturm. But he got the decision. He got the majority decision. One one judge had it a draw, 114-114, and he got um, the other two on his side with uh, was it 115 and 113 for both the other two judges. So. Was a close, uh, close decision, yeah. but um, not as close of a fight. I mean, Fedor Chudinov, he's he's got kind of one gear, and that's the top gear, isn't it? He just just kind of powers into people, and he did look right towards the end of the fight. He did look as if he was tiring a little bit. As you said, Sturm, Sturm started well, finished well. Middle rounds didn't do so good, but we're still trying to push it. We're still trying to throw his punches. I think the crowd obviously helped every time Sturm landed a punch. They went crazy. Mm. It was pretty quiet when Chudinov was landing. I think Chudinov was landing more shots. But I didn't think it was a horrible performance from Sturm. I thought his defence was quite good. Mm. I don't think he got caught with anything that kind of rocked him. Chudinov's obviously very strong, throws every punch with a lot of power. But I think that a lot of the shots were going on to the gloves. Um, and vice versa. I mean, it, was a, it wasn't a bad fight. And I could definitely see it closer than why I had it. Um, as I said, I think Chudinov won through work rate and probably punches landed. But um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a disgraceful robbery. No. What about that, that jab of Chudinov's though? That, um, that straight left jab straight through the guard of Sturm. He kept getting it through there, didn't he? He did, yeah. I liked his, little, I liked his work on the inside as well with the hooks to the body and the um, I think it was a left hook to the head he caught Sturm with quite regularly. Hmm. Oh, and also a head to the head. Yeah, he's, he's a strong <laughs> head to the head. Yeah, that was a couple of times. I think Sturm had a, a little cut on his right eye from a, a head clash. Yeah, it seemed to happen quite a lot, didn't it, the, the head clashes? 
Yeah, I think because I think Sturm realised that he had to put him on the back foot. He had to try and push pace. And obviously, when both guys are going to come forward, neither have got back gear. It's uh, the head clash is unfortunately something that happens on a regular basis, which again happened last night. And what about the, the chief support? It was Francesco Pianetta, heavyweight title challenger to Vladimir Klitschko back in 2013 against uh, Hassan Olaki, who's um, was only a 6-2 and two, uh, Turkish heavyweight. Yeah, I saw that fight. Um, I thought Pianetta had it pretty easy, um, could land at will. I thought, he, I thought he made a little bit of hard work of it. I thought he probably could have finished a little bit earlier. Mm. He landed some nice shots. Olaki was tough, but... Um, I think all he offered was a few jumping shots. I th- he, uh, he was down pretty heavy in the third round, I think it was. But he, he, he showed bravery, got up and carried on. And Pianetta was just dominant, really, I thought. Yeah, and um, Connie Conrad, he fought Jürgen Bremer last year. Um, obviously on the losing side of, of that one uh, against Andre Maurer. Conrad um, didn't have it all his own way, did he? Right in the last round, he got he got a knock... Well, it looked it was it was a judge to knockdown, but it was more of a of a slip come push, wasn't it? It looked like that, yeah. I mean, the shot was landed and he went down, so I mean, it's hard for the referee in that position. But yeah, I think it was a little bit harsh. Alan Begic, it was the first fight I saw. He's another. Uh, he's a Munich-based fighter. Um, <laughs> I know a, a guy very well who, who spars with him and uh, has always been been raving about him for the last couple of years. He's now twelve and zero. Uh, but he got a bit lucky against Leo Chula. Yeah, um, I don't know what happened with it, to be honest. I don't know how to describe it. He, he was complaining about his right shoe initially, I think, and the, the corner taped it up between rounds. Um, and he kept going down for it. He kept taking these. Um, the referee didn't seem to know what was going on. Um, he looked a little bit confused. And it seemed the left shoe at the end was the, the cause of the stoppage. <laughs> that was uh, a, a win for Alan Begic. He's the 12th uh, unbeaten. That was at super middleweight, and he, he he was fighting at light heavyweight before. So we'll see. It's not really much of a test for him, but he will have to step it up if he's going to fulfil his potential. So moving on to Poland. What was happening in Poland last night, John? <laughs> Uh, a bit of a shock, really. Uh, Mike Molo, um, he was he was fighting an unbeaten kid, an 18 and 0, um, and yeah, he caused a shock. Um, obviously, Molo's been around the block a little bit. He um, he's fought some good guys. He's been the distance with the likes of um, Jamil McLean. He had some good fights against another Polish guy, Spitka, recently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was in against a guy called Krzysztof Zim- Zimnok. And he jumped on him, roughed him up a little bit, landed a couple of good hooks, and I think a right forearm took him out in the end, in the first round. Okay, and another one we'll just touch on over in the United States, in Minnesota, a guy that you know very well, Caleb Truex, got a win against Vermin Betancourt. Did you did you manage to catch any of that fight at all? Um, I've read about it, I haven't seen it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, a little bit early so far here. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I think Caleb dealt with him quite well. I think it was fairly even for the first couple of rounds, and then Caleb took over in the third and stopped him in the fourth. Barry Court wasn't a, a great test, I don't think. I think it was more of getting Caleb back onto the winning tracks. Good record, He was 29-1 when he came to the States. Yeah, he was 29-1 when he came to the States um, from the Dominican Republic. 
but he was stopped early in his first two fights in the States, and he's been stopped again in his third fight in the States. So I'm not sure he's got a great future ahead of him, but um, Caleb picks up another win, and he'll be obviously chasing that world title again. Yeah, the last time he fought for a title was last April against Daniel Jacobs, the WBA middleweight title. He's 32 years old, lost only twice in, what, about 30, 30 bouts. So can he get that world title again? Um, he's very rugged, very tough, um, got a decent power. He'd have to be matched the right way, I think. I think some of the real slick guys would be him. Um, but he's, got, he's always got a chance. Um, he's had a few injury problems over the last year. So I think he needed this fight to get back in. Um, but now he's done that. I'd be interested to see where he goes from here. It's time now to hear John putting Jake Ball through 12 rounds of questioning. So, Jake Ball, thanks for spending a bit of time with Tandy Boxing Podcast. Um, you've obviously had a standout amateur career, 23 years old now. You've turned professional. Perfect 3-0, and three knockouts. Um, for the fans that don't know you, can you just have a quick chat about yourself and let us know what you're about? <coughs> yeah, well, my name's Jake Ball. I'm from Guildford, Surrey. Uh, box for Team GB from 20, 2013 up to 2015. And then turned professional with Eddie Owen and matched me in boxing. And then, so now I'm following my professional career. Currently unbeaten as a pro. And boxing again March 5th in Birmingham for my fourth pro fight. You've got a, uh, an opponent for that already, is it, is it Colin Farrakha from Liverpool? Uh, I, I believe so, yeah, yeah. well, we've been told um, at the moment it's Colin Farrakha, so hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully um, he'd be the opponent. OK, it's um, it's a decent opponent for this stage of your career, really. So he went 3-0 and himself at one stage, I don't know if you know much about him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. No, actually, well, I was actually supporting a stable mate of mine, um, Reese Bellotti and Louis Adolfi, um, at the Copper Box show in January. And um, he actually fought a geezer there called, um, I think it was Juma. Yeah, Dan Juma. Yeah, yeah. I think he's 9-0 now. And he gave him a good fight. It wasn't like um, it wasn't one-sided. It was a very, very close fight. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get a few rounds on me because I'll do a few rounds, um, a few rounds just this time for a bit more experience. So, yeah, so it, it should be a good fight. Okay, so a, a new highlight of our podcast for the interviews is... Um, 12 rounds with me, and it's basically 12 questions. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll just run through them quick. Yeah, we can. <coughs> okay. Number one, round one. What's the highlight of your career so far? So far, there's been a few highlights. Lots of me getting selected to box for GB was one highlight. And then um, and then more recently, it's starting the new chapter in my boxing career is turned professional, so something completely different. So I'd say, look, the, the most recent highlight of my career is... is Turning professional with Matt Truman and getting that journey off to a start. Round two, what's your funniest moment in boxing so far? I was on holiday every year to Tenerife, mm-hmm. and funny enough, Jimmy Mackey trains me. He goes to the same place every Christmas. Okay. And um, so, well, it's funny, but it's not funny because uh, <laughs> I, I thought I'm over there um having a holiday, a chill out, relaxed time. And then, uh, then eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, I I, I got Jimmy Mack knock on my door. Waking me up to, to to go for mountain runs, six seven <laughs> mile mountain runs. Oh so, wow! So, so so it's probably funny for um for people looking out for me. Yeah. I was crying. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But, yeah. Waking me up for beach sprints in the morning. Yeah, not appealing. No. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, round three. Um, who do you think the current pound for pound best does now? Mayweather's hang up his gloves. 
Pound pound. Well, I think it's got it's going to be triple G, personally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm. Mean, he's just um, the way he's been performing lately. Is, um, yeah, he's definitely. Yeah. Pound, pound. I don't. I don't think many people argue with that. Um, okay, so round five. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be and why? What would I change? If I would change one thing, it would probably be that I'd probably improve myself by being a switch hitter. I wish when I was younger I could have learned to switch hit. Okay. Because, because where I've got, the sort of style I've got is like on my toes, like sort of bouncy, like, like relaxed sort of style. Mm-hmm. So, so, so if I could, like, it's weird because in the gym I can fight, like, like, I can't not fight orthodox, but but I'm not comfortable. You know, so like, if I it, 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 I reckon if I were taught myself from a younger age, yeah, to be more fluent with it, then it would be, it would come natural to me. But you are still only yeah, 23, so there's still time. <laughs> there's still chance. There's still chance. Yeah. Okay. Round six. Um, who's your role model and why? Role model with the two, Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard. Always, I'm um, always looked up to them. Just, just love the, just, just, just the speed, the movement, the footwork, um, yeah. the, the way they held themselves in the ring. And that, I just, I just thought it was amazing. Loved it. Okay, brilliant. Um, round seven. Uh, where do you want to be five years from now? <coughs> I want to be world champion five years from now. Yeah, okay. world champion, fine in big arenas, like in um, headline shows. Yeah, I think you've you've got all the potential to be there as well, mate. Yeah. Um, okay, round eight. If landed, if aliens landed in front of you and offered you anything, what would you take? Well, if we were sticking the lines of boxing, it'd be a world title. Anything else, like oh, I'm not really agreed, man. Literally, if it's anything else, it'd just be it'd be health and luck from my family. Okay, nice. But my, like, my kids and wife, that's it. No, round nine. If you had a choice of any film role and any remake of any film ever made, who would you choose and why? I'd probably choose. I'll, I'll probably be Rambo, I think. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be a bit of Rambo. Cause I, I, do, I, do, I do like the old, the old outdoors, getting dirty and, and, and grimy. So, yeah, a bit, a bit of Rambo is a bit of me. Um, number 10, what's the most embarrassing moment of your personal boxing career so far? Most embarrassing? I haven't really had a lot of embarrassing moments in boxing. Okay. Uh, Round 11, I'm I'm pretty sure I probably know the answer to this already, knowing Jim. What's the most irritating thing about your coach? Most irritating thing about your coach is when we're training, okay, which I I train up there six days a week up in the So when we're training, um, it'll take us through a killer session, a whole session, and then it'll finish off and say, I think, boys, you're done. So. Basically, in my mind, I've switched off now. Okay, I've, I've, I'm taking my bandages off, I'm taking boots off, and then literally two, literally two, three minutes later, it will come to you. And go, oh, boys, groundwork, boys, circuit, circuit. So, it's, uh, well, boys, now I've come, I've come to 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 try and like know it's coming now because he does it so, does it so often. But every time he does it, it's, it's always you, you, as soon as he says, "Oh, that's it, boys, you're over," your brain switches off. I think I said, "I'm done. I'll test you, finish now." Give it two or three minutes, and it's up. Groundwork, boys. Groundwork. I'll bet certain boys. I wish I put a bet on the answer to that because I'm pretty sure I could have answered it the same way. <laughs> oh, torture. Um, okay, um, round 12, final round. If you could live a week in the body of somebody else who's living or dead, obviously while they're alive, who would it be and why? It'd probably be someone like Floyd Mayweather, I think. 
Okay. Just to see, just see, just experience obviously, it. Yeah, 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 because he's obviously at, at the highest, highest level that, that you can get at boxing. So, just just to experience um, at that level, and obviously, once you have a taste of it, it's just going to want me want it myself even more. From gloves to shorts, the Tandy Boxing Range includes everything you need for amateur and professional boxing and MMA training. Available exclusively online at houseoffraser.co.uk forward slash Tandy Boxing. Next week in Manchester, the big one, Carl Frampton, Scott Quigg. Yeah, I think um, I think Frampton's going in as the favourite. Um, to be honest, I've changed my mind on this one a few times. <laughs> um, Frampton's the uh, IBF champion. Scott Quigg's the uh, WBA ch- champion. I think Carl Frampton's had a bit of trouble as of late with his, with his fights. He hasn't looked as good. Had a little bit of trouble with Alejandro Gonzalez in his last fight. He was put down first in the, put down twice in the first round. Gonzalez was a little bit untested. He'd lost before, and he's lost since. To be honest, he lost his last fight without. But but to be honest, he's obviously a bit of a puncher because he dropped the guy in the first round before going on to lose on points. Um, Scott Quiggs looked great. I mean, he, he knocked out Kika Martinez quite early mm-hmm. in his last fight. He's, he's had some good experience, um, but I think I think another thing that people don't realise is um, Quick's had 12 more fights than Frampton. He's had a little bit more experience. He's four good fighters. He's four um, Yolanda Salinas. They got a draw with uh, Renda Monroe. They got a draw with and then avenged. Um, but I think as of late, Scott Quick's the man. He's looking. He's looking good. He's got a height and reach advantage. I think it'll be a tough one for Frampton. I do as well, and I'm like you. I think I've changed my... When the fight was made, I thought Frampton had, had, had got it, but the more I see of, of Quigg and the the more that attitude he's got and uh, in the build-up to it, I, I really think Quigg will take this one. Um, again, it's something that I thought would happen, but again, after seeing Frampton go down quite heavily a couple of times in his last fight, you, you have to question whether you can take someone like Quigg's power, because Quigg's obviously... Um, He's growing in confidence, growing in strength as he's getting older. I mean, the, the Kika Martinez, I mean, Kika Martinez is a tough guy. Took him out pretty quick. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't rule out the stoppage totally. Hmm. Okay, well, it's a, the undercard looks pretty good as well. Gavin McDonnell fighting for the WBC Silver Super Bantamweight title against Jorge Sanchez. Now, Jorge Sanchez is 15 unbeaten. Gavin McDonnell's also unbeaten, with just two draws on his record, very similar record to Sanchez. Do you know much about these two, and uh, how, do you th- how do you see it going? Yeah, I mean, um, Gavin McDonald's always kind of been in uh, his brother's shadow a little bit. Mm. Jamie McDonald, McDonald, sorry. Um, it, it always reminds me of the back in the day with the Ricky Hatton, Matthew Hatton scenario. Um, he was always a little bit in his shadow, but he seems to be coming out, and um, he's got an interesting fight here. I mean, George San- uh, Jorge Sanchez is fifteen zero. But he's been fairly easily matched. He's only ever fought in Panama. And he's been brought across to fight in a big arena. I think it'll be a big um, big step up for him. And, yeah, quite fancy McDonald winning this one. Yeah, they train together as well, don't they? And with Dave Coldwell, the brothers. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they do a lot of around sparring with each other. and yeah. Both similar way. And, um, McDonald's had um, some good fights. Uh, he had his draw against Josh Well. It was a good, good result for him, I think. Um, and his his last fight, Jeremy Parodi, um, that was quite impressive. Um, so yeah, I think he's starting to become his own fighter. He's obviously the chief support on this card. So 
Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think he wins this one. I uh, don't know what Sanchez brings to the table, but... Well, he's bringing to his unbeaten record to the table, probably, so that will, that will move Gavin up quite nicely in the in the rankings. Um, on, on the... Well, another undercard fight for the vacant Commonwealth uh, featherweight title. Isaac Lowe against Marco McCulloch. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, McCulloch's a strange one. McCulloch's up and down. I think he's very hot and cold. Um, he's had some good wins in his time. Um, beat a former world champion, uh, Dmitry Kilov, who was obviously a lot lighter, but he's obviously still beating him. But then he's been knocked out by Jeremy in the first round as well. Um, Isaac Lowe's currently unbeaten. He's got a split decision draw with Ryan Doyle. I think that's his his, uh, his biggest test. Yeah, in his last fight. Yeah, in his last fight, yeah. But um, it's he's not really for anyone of note, so it's uh, it's an interesting... Depends what Marco McCulloch can bring to the table. I think if he can put on one of the performances that we've seen in the past, he's got a good chance to cause an upset here. Absolutely. And uh, light heavyweight Jose Burton, also one of um, Joe Gallagher's stable. Uh, he takes on Miles Shinquin for the British light heavyweight title. Uh, both unbeaten, both with similar records, 14... Wins for Burton, 12 for Shinquin. Another great, great fight, isn't it? It is, yeah. Another one that you can't really call. Um, Jose Burton's obviously the, a quality amateur. Um, he's the tall of the two. I think he's got a, a good three or four inches height advantage. Um, but he he hasn't really been matched against anyone yet. They've been very careful with him. I think 11 of his wins have come um, against a negative record opponent, so like your journeyman. Hmm. Um, I think his best win is against Jermaine Smile um, that he took out in the first round. So, obviously, he can, he can step up. I don't know if you know, Schmiel, he, um recently beat Lee Markham for the British title, the English title, sorry. Um, so, that was that was a good win. That's probably his best win. Um, Shinquin has got a little bit, little bit more experience. Um, he's won a Southern Area title. He's fought against a lot better opposition. Um, he's done the, the 10 rounds before. He beat an 11-0, Joel McIntyre, one on points. Um, so, yeah, it's a really interesting fight. It's a big step up for Burton, but he's looked the past so far. OK, moving down the card again. Uh, Ryan Burnett, unbeaten for the vacant WBC international bantamweight title against Frenchman Anthony Satoul, who's 21-4 and four with eight KO wins. Now, Satoul doesn't look like he's got uh, a, a lot of... A lot of winning fighters on his record. Probably Omar Lamiri is his best win. Oh, sorry, that wasn't a win. That, was, that was a loss. Yeah, yeah, that was a loss, wasn't it? Um, Ryan Burnett. Yeah, I mean he's interested. Barakat, and he's obviously moved over to Adam Booth now. Um, he was a gold medalist in the Youth Olympics. He's coming off his uh, career best win over Jason Bull, Jason Booth on points. Many, many people thought he probably should have stopped Booth, but. The question is, what does the Frenchman bring to the table? Mm. He's obviously been in the ring with Nita Donaire, which was interesting. Uh, he stopped quite quickly in that one. Um, he's a former French champion. He's a former European Union champion. You, you mentioned the loss to Omar Lamiri. It was a majority decision loss. Um, Lamiri's not bad. 16-2 now, I think he is. And he's European champion. So I don't think he's, he'd be too bad. I think, obviously, Burnett's got to be a hot favourite to win it. Um but it could be interesting. Absolutely. And uh, also Charlie Edwards, who's been a highly touted uh, matchroom fighter. He's unbeaten in six, takes on Luke Wilton, 16 with four losses, one draw at flyweight. Um, that's 
Luke Wilton, of course, losing the losing to Kevin Satchel in 2013 for the um, British flyweight and the Commonwealth flyweight titles. That'll be should be an interesting fight and a good test for Charlie Edwards, eh? Yeah, definitely. Um, Charlie Edwards has looked good so far. It's um, another step up the ladder. It's the one that should win. Um, there's a couple more guys on the undercard. Conrad Cummins, who'd be looking to get off a draw. Um, one of Shane McGugan's guys. Another one, Shane McGugan's guys, Josh Taylor, who is a great amateur. Um, he's definitely one to look after, look look out for. Yep. He's uh, a, a tall kid, super lightweight. Um, we've been down sparring with both of them. They look really good, so... Yeah, it'd be interesting. It's an interesting card, I think. It's got a lot of depth. Yeah, and just Marcus Morrison to mention at middleweight, 8-0, and against Istvan Kiss. I think you might know Istvan Kiss from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'd Arthur Herman knock him out in, um, I think, mid-rounds. Uh, tough kid. Um, yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, I don't think he's a great boxer, but he's a survivor and a spoiler. And um, he should give him some rounds. Yeah, an, ab- an absolutely mixed record at the moment of 23 wins, 23 losses. So, um, one debutant to mention, Scott Fitzgerald at welterweight against Ben Heap, who's coming into the fight with just one one fight behind him, and that's one loss. Also next weekend at York Hall, Dan Woodgate against Wadi Camacho. It's an interesting one, to be honest. I think they're both kind of on a similar level of the, where Dan Woodgate's 13-2, and two. Woody Camacho is fourteen and five. Um, Woodgate's coming off three wins, but he's been a lot easily matched. He lost this last semi-four for the Southern Area to a guy called Leon Senior, who was nine and one. Um, yeah, Woody Camacho, he's he's had five losses already, but he's been in with some good guys. He's fought China Clark, Tony Conquest, Stephen Simmons, and then obviously Craig Kennedy twice. So he's had some tough fights. Um, Quite fancy Waddy turned around in this one. Um, I've seen a bit of Dan. He's fought in a lot of the cards that we fought on um, in the Camden Centre. Um, not a massive fan. Um, it should be a decent matchup between the two, but I think I'm edging with Camacho on this one. OK, and the other southern area welterweight title clashes between Tamucha Mucha and Tommy Teah, who's 11 without loss. Yeah, I think Mucha's originally from Zimbabwe. Um it's an interesting one. It's the first step up for Tommy Tierry. He's 11-0 with one knockout. Much as 11-0 with three knockouts, so you're probably looking for it to go to the cards. Much is coming off a career-best win over Eric Hockching last time out. He stopped Eric in six rounds. Good win. Which is a, a, yeah, it is a good win. Uh, Eric's normally generally very tough, mm. so that's a very good win. But, yeah, Tommy Tierry, uh, we've got to see what he brings to the table. It's his first real step up. Okay, uh, well, just to just to quickly go over the rest of the card, Alan Higgins is on there against Wayne Reed. Um, some TBAs, Aaron Morgan, we've seen him um, at the Camden Centre as well. I think he's a regular down there. Yeah. Um, Daryl yes, Will- yeah. Williams, Ben Jones, uh, Tony Milch as well. So it's yeah. absolutely there's going to be a good twenty bouts there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's Keon Thomas as well and uh, Elliot Matthews on there at the moment. I don't know if they're going to fight. Um, but, yeah, all of those all of those guys are kind of on our circuit that we spar with regularly. So, um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a very deep card. Well, the one I'm looking forward to the most next weekend is going to be Ola Afalabi coming over from the United States to, to take on Marco Huck for a fourth time. 
Um, this time, Ola holds the belt, though. He's got the IBO World Cruiserweight title. He's taking on um, uh, Marco Huck at a, a good time because Huck's coming off the back of that loss to uh, Glavaki, uh, that surprise loss to Glavaki, the first time he fought in America. Um, so his confidence will no doubt be a little bit dented, but Huck fights on confidence anyway, and he's he's with three well with three fights behind him against Ola and having lost none of them, to two wins and a and a draw. I think he should be quite confident, shouldn't he? Yeah, I think so. As he said, it's probably um, it's the best time for Afrolabi to fight him mm. um, for a confidence-wise. Obviously, Afrolabi's coming off his his potentially career betting. Absolutely. With a ring against um, Chakiev. Chakiev, yeah, no doubt. In, um, fifth round stoppage in, against a 24-1 guy. Yeah, in Russia. Which impressive. <laughs> yeah, in Russia. Yeah, very impressive. And um, Huck's obviously coming out quite a nasty knockout against Glowacki. Um, but as I said, I mean, Huck's not lost to him yet. He's won two and drawn one. They've all been close fights. It's interesting. Um Falabi's obviously tough, never been stopped. Um, Hugs really been around the block. You don't have to, the fights are starting to catch up with him now. I think because of Huck's style, it's going to be his career is never going to last as long because he's not very slick. He kind of gets hit to hit, and um, whereas uh, Falabi tends to move a little bit more. Um, his time starting to catch up with Michael Hupp, but we said the same about Felix Sturman. He's obviously proved, proved us wrong last night. Terence Crawford against Henry Lundy for the WBO Super Lightweight ti- uh, World Title. That's got to be the standout fight, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. Terence Crawford is obviously the, um, the people are talking about him being the next sort of to step into the, the gap that Mayweather's, Mayweather's left. Mm. He's had some good wins. He's beat the likes of, uh, I think the most impressive for me was when he beat Gamboa. Um, but you know he's had some great wins. He's come off a win over Doe Jean. I think he's twenty-seven and zero. Um, Henry Lundy is a tough kid. He actually called me to train him at one point, um, but he said he had a fight and he went in lost, and then I never heard from him again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, he got stopped by um, Mauricio Herrera in the fifth round. I think it's the only time he's been stopped in his career. He's generally pretty tough. Um, but a couple of guys that Crawford's beaten, Ray Beltran and um, Thomas Delorme, have actually beaten Lundy already. So you'd kind of favour Crawford in that one, I think. Yeah, I think I'd favour him anyway. <clears throat> anyway, what else we got over there next weekend, John? Um, we got the undercard, um, Felix Vergedo against William Silvers, interesting. Uh, Vergedo's 19-0 against Silvers, who's 23-0. Um, Someone's O has to go. Somebody's O definitely has to go in this one. Um, big, big step up for Silva, more more so than Virgido, I think. Um, Silva's always won well, but against limited opposition, so I think it's a good fight. Um, Virgido's coming off a couple of good wins against 27-3 to Santos and 16-0 Nigeria. Um, so Virgido's got to be the favourite in this one, I think. Um, but never rule out another fear fighter. Okay, um, I think everybody, almost everybody except Emmanuel Taylor, is unbeaten on that um, on that card. Yeah, there's a, there's another good card and a good fight on the undercard. Uh, Shane Monahan against uh, Yane Forsman. Shane Monahan's looked pretty good so far. He's beat one of my ex guys, Donovan George, in his last fight. 
Um, Valencia Zuniga, Alva Mariki, Anthony Smith. He's got um, some, some good experience in his 26 wins. Um, he's fighting a kid called Yane Forsman, who's 21 and 3. Um, he actually fought one of the guys from over here, Alva McKenzie. Um, was stopped in two rounds. Um, he's won at a pretty low level so far. Every time he stepped up, he's tend to lose. So I think Shane should be good, too good for him. But um, we'll see. Okay. Well, the other the other standout um, card is in Anaheim, California. That's uh, Leo Santa Cruz against Kiko Martinez for the WBA Super Well Featherweight title. Leo Santa Cruz is. Um... He had a draw in his second fight, but he's gone from strength to strength. He's 31 and now now. Um, he won, I think he's a three-world world title, um, world champion. Won the IBF Bantam, he's won the WC Super Bantam, he's won the WBA Featherweight. Um, so he's cruising. I mean, he's the man to beat. Kiko Martinez, obviously, coming off that knockout loss to Frimford to Quig. Um, he's had a couple of wins since then. Um but yeah, it's a big test for him. How much does Martinez get left? He's normally a tough guy, but this is this is a tough one for him. It looks, according to box records, at featherweight. Oh, is it? Super, the the um, super featherweight title. So oh, okay. obviously they've they've moved up from super bantam, I guess. Oh, okay, so this will be the fourth weight division that Santa Cruz has fought for a yeah, while in. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well. Super bantam mates, Julio Seya. With, against Hugo Ruiz, 35-3, and three, for the WBC Super Bantamweight title, world title, that is. Um, yeah, no, this is a this is a cracking fight. Um, it's a rematch, actually. Um, the, the first fight, Siege won in, in the fifth round. Um, but he was in big trouble. He was down in the third. Heavy left hook. Um, very lucky to survive the round. I think he had about 30 seconds left to survive. Um Ruiz came on, just couldn't get him out of there. Um, and then CJ came back and he landed his own left hook and actually dropped Ruiz. And it was about a similar length of time left in the round. But Ruiz couldn't cling on and um, CJ won that one. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, Ruiz had got a little bit of height and reach advantage on him, uh, which he used well in the first fight. Um, they both got a bit of power. So, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, the other interesting fight at heavyweight is Gerald Washington against Oscar Rivas. Uh, Washington sixteen without loss, just one draw, and Rivas is eighteen and zero with thirteen knockouts. Now he's uh, a Venezuelan, I believe, oh, no Colombian uh, fighter, Oscar Rivas. That should be a good test for both, shouldn't it? It's um, yeah, it's a bit of a crossroads, I think. Um, obviously, Gerald Washington had his draw against Amir Masur recently, um, and that was his first real step up. Um, Rivas hasn't really had a step up yet. I mean, he's beaten some good guys. I think his last two fights, he fought Jason Petaway, who's, uh, I think, 17-2. He's not bad. He knocked him out in the first round. Very able, a good guy. I know pretty well from Minnesota. He knocked out in two yeah. rounds. He's a very good amateur as well. Um, so, no, it's an interesting one. Uh, definitely a crossroads for, especially for Washington. I think he's... Um, He's getting on a little bit now. He's uh, 33, 34. He's got to start winning against these guys to, to have a chance to make it. So, yeah, it's a very interesting fight. So the other the other title fight at Super Bantamweight is in Birmingham this weekend. Sean Davis against Jason Booth for the vacant English Super Bantamweight title. 
Jason Booth is obviously coming off that loss to Ryan Burnett last time out, um, in which he re- announced his retirement, um, which was a little bit short-lived because he's back in the ring again on the same night that <laughs> that uh, Ryan Burnett's on. <laughs> same same night that Ryan yeah. Burnett's fighting again. So, yeah, interesting. Sean Davis is 8-0. He's had no knockouts, but he's been up against sort of tough journeymen so far. I think he's only had one opponent with a positive record. There's those guys are generally tough and they'll give you the round. So, um, never rule out Jason Booth. He's he's a good guy. He's been around for a long time. Um, he's a good fighter. But I think once you start talking about retirement, it kind of signifies the end of you. So obviously come back for a bit of cash. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it depends how good Sean Davis is. Points wins, obviously the most obvious scenario. But never rule out Jason Booth. Well, that's all for episode five of the Tandy Boxing Podcast. As usual, if you like the pod, then please let us know by sending a message to us via Twitter at TandyPod. Or we'd love to receive your emails at TandyBoxingPod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and take care. Goodbye for now.